It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 6th of March, the third year jump. It's going on in two different spots tonight. We'll talk about that. We'll get to know Jeremy Brunner, producer-director of Jazz Television, joining us for a get-to-know-the-people-on-the-road edition of the show. It's all coming up, plus we'll preview the Jazz and the Celtics. It's Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for tuning in. We bring the show to you every single day, Monday through Friday, so make sure you add it to your routine. Have it be the first podcast you listen to each and every day and tell your friends about it so they can become smarter Jazz fans. Interesting matchup tonight between Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum. They won't guard each other. They're a little bit different players, but both of them are going through the third-year jump. If you look at Donovan... 25 points a game, four rebounds, four assists a game. Everything's more efficient than it was a year ago, uh, and we'll dig into it. And then even just recently, last five games, 29 points, five rebounds, five assists. Last 10 games, 26 points up a little bit, five rebounds, another assist, shooting 48% and 40% from the three. You're seeing this, this little jump. He's taking the same amount of shots as he took a year ago. His three-point shots, he's taking the exact same amount. What he's actually doing is making his twos more, so we'll talk about that and look at that um, a little bit here. And he's averaging a point more per game. He's averaging a rebound more. The reason this is happening is the third-year jump of NBA players is when players, this is when it happens, and it makes sense. So the process here is that an NBA player comes into the league, has this incredible basketball resume, has been the best player on the floor in almost any game they've ever played, particularly if they're a top-10 pick. They go through the draft workouts. They go to the draft, they go to summer league, and then they get ready for the season. They have really no time to get their game ready for the NBA, and they bring their college game into the NBA, and they have some success their first year. Donovan obviously was fabulous. Jason Tatum was a little less fabulous, but they both were, they both were super good. And then from there, they go to their first offseason, and that's, I think, the, the first note that I think everybody makes kind of a mistake when they analyze players is that the offseason – after their first season is really their first offseason. The offseason coming out of the draft is not one where they're able to get better, just the way the structure is, the exhaustion, college season right into workouts, all those kind of things. So now they go it, they're exhausted, they go into their first offseason, and what almost every player does in their first offseason is they try to improve all of the items they weren't very good at in the first year. That makes sense, right? Intuitively, that's the right thing. What ends up happening is the opposite. They actually go back, they try all those things again, and they're still not good at them. And the reason is because the NBA is so great and everybody in the league has that basketball resume that there are things that you're simply not going to be able to do in this league. Now, if you're 6'8 and 204 pounds like Jason Tatum, well, there's less of them. If you're 6'1", like Donovan Mitchell, well, there are actually probably a few things you're going to have to figure out that you actually can't do in this league and you're going to have to adjust and figure that out. And, I, and, we, and we're seeing that happen with Donovan. The year two to year three, the reason there's the year three jump is it's year two to year three where they come out of that and say, 
all right, for two years in a row I've tried to do X, right? So Trey, Trey Burke was continually trying to get to the basket and just not being big enough. I now know I can't do that. Now I will tr- get better at the things that I'm really good at. And so in the case of Donovan, the 10 to 16 foot jump shot, we've seen him go from 37 to 48 to now 50% shooting on that 10 to 16 foot shot. The floater, which, you know, I think many of us think he takes more than we'd probably like him to, has jumped in year one, he was at 38%. Year two, he actually got worse. He took it more and more and he got worse. Year three, he's moved that from 34% to 44%. So that's the jump that he just took. His... Long two has gone from 41 to 47. So really, as much as this game is like, okay, don't take too many twos, the fact is that the elite scorers have to be able to score at all three levels. Donovan is going to the rim less than he used to, but he's scoring at 63% at the rim, which he's always been good at. But, you know, as the game's evolved, teams have adjusted to him defensively. He's changed where that shot is. And now he's he's taking the exact same amount of threes as he took a year ago. And he's moving some of his shots around. Unfortunately, not as many at the rim. But his maybe a realization in year two, I, I just can't get to the rim at that rate. That's not going to be sustainable. I'm going to have to learn this. And we're seeing him make that jump right now. Um, and he's playing brilliantly. His catch and shoot game is on fire. His last 10 catch, games of catch and shoot are over 50%. If you start to kind of look at a little bit of his month by month, I think he had a, a slight in February. He had a slight post-All-Star uh, game blip where he, I think he blinked for a second. But if you actually look at his numbers, he's just kind of subtly improving. His rebounds per game, which this team needs, is back up to five. His assists per game is back up to four. Um, he's you're seeing these like little incremental big steps from him. Uh, now he's back to scoring 30 every now and then. Uh, Donovan is, is a much better in control player, uh, than he was. He had the four straight games of 30 here, uh, recently. Now three of the four were losses. I think he's learning how to just assert himself on a game, but he had gone 10, 12 games without 30 points. Like I think he'd gotten tired and, and the, and the other thing you have to remember is even in their third year, most of the stuff they're experiencing, they're experiencing four the very first time, and that makes it, you know, unique to them. Jason Tatum has uh, just absolutely exploded uh, recently. Jason Tatum, in his last 10 games, 31% from the field, 29% from three, uh, excuse me, 31%, 31 points, nine rebounds, 50% from the field, 46% from three. His last five games, he's at 33 points, nine rebounds, four assists, 51%, and 40, uh, 35%, 51%, and 51% from three. Sorry, I couldn't read my own writing. He's just exploded. And if you dig into him, it's actually his, the thing that's changed most for him is just a load difference. His first year at 19, he took 10 shots. His second year, he took 13. He's now taking 19. Donovan's become actually more efficient. What Tatum has done is just dramatically changed the amount of shots that he's taking. He's gone from taking three threes to four threes to seven threes a game. Um, His free throws are up a little bit as well. His minutes have increased. He's probably just gotten physically stronger. He's added a rebound. He's added an assist. Um, He's so long. I think he's actually, what I think watching him is he's figured out how to use his length. He's unique. He's Joe Ingles with athleticism playing 
with the ball in his hands, which is an incredible combination. But his usage rate is the change. He's gone from 20% usage to 22 to 29% usage. And, and as he's gotten, he's figured out. His free throw rate, actually, if you kind of look at it from the big picture, not dramatically different. He was bigger his, fresh, his rookie year. He went down, and now he's kind of back up, similar kind of to what the process that we we're naturally talking about. His rim finishing is actually right kind of where it was his rookie year. His short floater's not very good. His mid-range is not very good. Um, his three-point shooting is, is terrific. He was a good three-point point shooter his first year he's a 40 percent dead on career three-point shooter so you're seeing him actually adjust a little bit that long two is not a good shot for him he came in people compared him to Carmelo he's gone from taking about 18 percent of his shots his long twos to eight so that's a nice change for him he's increased a little bit of his floaters and a little bit of his short twos from his rookie year but mostly the biggest difference is he's turned those into threes. He's now gone from taking 30% of his shots as threes to 38% of his shots as threes, which if you're a 40% three-point shooter, you should certainly be doing. Uh, he's doubled the amount of threes he basically takes per 100 possessions. And that's where he learned and evolved. They've also changed, frankly, how they're using him. Um, he's played much more <coughs> kind of spread floor four, uh, Whereas I think he was playing a little bit more three, and I think that's had an impact on him uh, this year. Uh, but he is taking that year three jump and has been absolutely uh, marvelous in how he's done it. And in turn, like he's turning the ball over a tiny bit more because he's playing with the ball in his hands more. And, you let, and those are the things you let, and he'll continue to just get better. You'll watch him on the pick and roll. He's added all these different um, aspects of things. So uh, really an interesting... <clears throat> Interesting aspect of things uh, to watch uh, him do and watch him evolve in that. So, it, you know, watch those two guys today. This is the natural progression you get out of NBA players. The, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Jeremy Brunner will be joining us here in just a second. Uh, we played the Celtics recently. There's not a huge amount to add on to this. They're great. They're the fourth-ranked offensive team, the fourth-ranked defensive team in the league. They're the fourth-best team at defending the three, the 11th-best three-point shooting team. They're, they're, they're amazingly balanced. They're basically top 10 in all offensive four factors. Their only thing they don't do is they foul a little bit offensively. They've got great balance. Uh, they will be without Jalen Brown, and it looks as though, despite a joke I'll make at the end of the show, that they may be... Um, working their way out of um, the w without Gordon Hayward as well. I think it's, uh, at least I'm not expecting him to play. I haven't heard a official deal, but he, I think he's looking at doubtful, and I, it makes sense. I'd be surprised if he's got a sore knee considering where they are, that you'd, you'd get him back anytime quickly. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that and see. They're shooting around at 1130 today, and we'll see how that um, plays out on things. All right, so that's a quick rundown of today. We'll watch those two guys explode, and now we will get to meet Jeremy Brunner of the Jazz Broadcast Team, producer and director with an interesting kind of what that job is, how that story works. Hope you're enjoying the stories with the guys on the road. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. You got to come and see us. Yep, I did that. I did that in a commercial. You'll see it at some point. I did it in a commercial. Uh, the you got to come and see us uh, deal. Murdoch Hyundai, I'm driving the Palisade right now. Absolutely adore it. Uh, it's great space, uh, fabulous seating arrangement, every safety window, little tiny things like a USB port for every seat. Like, it's just basic, right? But it's that little level of detail that Hyundai puts in that shows you uh, how much they – work they put in to make sure their cars are fabulous with the great safety features. The back door doesn't open if a car is coming for safety reasons for both kids and adults. And 
great pricing and incredible amount of value for your dollar. That's at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also in Linden, also in Logan. Uh, please do. People twice this week have emailed me. I'm not joking about this. Send me an email at dlock09 at gmail.com. I forward it off to Blake. Blake tells me which uh, salesperson to talk to. Uh, and at that, give you the VIP treatment. So if you're looking for a little SUV like the Kona or you're looking for a Tucson or Santa Fe, the fabulous brand-new Palisade, the Sonata, the new one's amazing, over at Hyundai, we've got the setup for you. So stop by, 4646 South State Street, Logan and Linden. If you're looking for a car right now, at least put Hyundai on the list and take a look at what they can offer for you and see what we can do. It is Murdoch Hyundai. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. Welcome to the second edition of Get to Know the People on the Road with the Utah Jazz. I'm going to introduce you to Jeremy Brunner. Earlier this week, we met Scott Rogers, who we've referred to as the play-by-play of the bar. as his title. He was the producer of graphics. And uh, Jeremy Brunner is another of the TV, incredibly hardworking Emmy Award-winning TV crew. And what's funny for these, I get to learn a little bit about everybody here. I think I know some of Jeremy, but Jeremy is um, either producer or director. I'm never quite sure I understand the difference. We're going to find that out today. He's the father of three. His lovely wife works with the jazz as well. Um, He is a huge Green Bay Packers fan um, and has spent time in southern Utah. Let's see. I think that's the extent. His parents, I believe, were in the media business. These are the things after spending... How many years have we done this together? Oh, my God. So much research put into that. <laughs> Incredible. We've done what? Like, we've been on the road together for how many five years Five years. This is my fifth year five, travel. Five years, and the amount we actually know about each other yeah. is about 37 seconds. Um, and at the it's, same time... It's David, right? Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. Thanks, JB. Um, all right. So we, we won't get all deep and symbolic about how, actually, if anything ever went wrong, all of us would have each other's back because we understand our lives. Um, but... Tell people what what is your job? What is your kind of? Uh, we'll find out about your job and then kind of how you end up there. Give us give us kind of what your actual game day job is, and then we'll talk about how the day works. Um, I am the director of live events, and what that means is every game I either produce or direct. And if you produce, um, you're setting the table for the show. You're deciding what we're going to talk about. Uh, you figure out what we're going to replay. Um, you're kind of like the conductor, if you will, but uh, the director is the one who calls the cameras. So me and Travis, my boss, switch off, and like today, tonight, for example, I'll be directing. Um, yeah. All right, so um, 
Gordon Hayward misses. We always have to have that be part of the story. Gordon Hayward misses. Rudy rebounds. Outlets to Conley. Conley's on the run. Donovan's coming from the right side. It's an alley-oop. Take me through, and then the re- as the director, how you're doing that. So on every play, uh, our cameras all have assignments where they're supposed to go. Um, you know, some are wider, some are tighter. We have, we actually in a dual feed. Um, What's have, a dual feed? Sorry, a dual feed is where both teams are broadcasting out of the same truck. So you're sharing a lot of cameras. Um, in a dual feed, we actually only have three cameras, and then the rest are shared with the home show. And how many total cameras do you have in a regular game? 15 to 20, depending on the game. Wait, so you're directing a broadcast, and you're watching 15 to 20 different cameras and deciding which one you're cutting to. Exactly. Um, and it's, it's a lot sometimes, you know, that's, uh, that's what, but that's what we do. And like I said, all cameras have their assignments. You know, on an alley-oop, you know, the, uh, the high-tight camera, which is the one up, you know, in the rafters by you. Thank you, except for in this building, I'm, like, not in the rafters. I'm actually in, like, King of Massachusetts, but it's all right. <laughs> Sorry to bring it up. Um, anyways, that, that guy is usually your assist hero. So he'll go to the guy who made the pass. Um, our slash cameras, which are kind of the lower corner cameras, they will we'll either go, depending on what the side they are, they'll go to the... Sorry, I'm just so ignorant. Lower corner meaning they're on the floor? No, or? no, no, no. They're uh, elevated. Okay. Um, you see them in our arena. They're in the corners above the bombs. Um, anyways, every arena there is a little different. But our slash cameras, one will get the dunker. And one will probably go to our bench to get big bench reactions. Um, yeah, that's kind of... And, how, and you're yelling calmly, yeah, of No, course. I mean, we, ha- we have a meeting beforehand. We go over assignments and say, you've got to go here, you've got to do this. And uh, camera guys, usually pretty good, pretty, uh, pretty on it. Um, we get good crews everywhere we go, really. Although none are, better, none are as good as the crews in Salt Lake, honestly. Like, there's a reason, like, every four years the Winter Olympics comes along and we have a rough month because our whole crew goes to the Olympics. As I, like to, as I like to tell people, they don't take them to the Olympics because they suck. That's a good point, except for Scott. Well, no comment. Because um, <laughs> we know Scott's listening to see. Scott's like, I wonder if Jeremy, oh, Jeremy was funnier than I am. Oh, no. Uh, um, that's right. That's, it's a low bar. <laughs> um, the... Uh, all right, so on that play, you're hitting all those various things. You showed me once, which I think is really fascinating. I don't know how we're going to totally share the story. In front of you, you have a screen that has all 15 of these cameras, right? And depending, the director will set those differently, however they like. I, I don't know how. Can you try to explain this to people? Um, I mean, for example, me and Travis, we have different setups. At, in our home truck, they ask, you know, who's directing today? Is it you? Is it Trav? And... My my basic uh, line of vision is I go left to right. Um, so on in one line, I'll put like the two handheld cameras on each side. And then above that, I'll put the and slash camera. what's a handheld camera. camera? Those are the ones down on the court. Um, the guys, the who, guys, get, who, the guys who get plowed yeah. uh, on a dunk or whatever. In fact, in New York the other night, we had two guys. Both ends, they got wiped out on plays. Felt bad for them, but it happens. Good camera, though. Good video, right? Yeah, always. Got to replay it <laughs> for their reel. Um, but yeah, we, uh, I forgot where we were going. <laughs> All right. So you've got the screen set up. That's how you, you, and throughout, and just throughout a game, you're just, and are you, do you instinctually know that you're going to this camera based on what's happening in the game? Or are you watching all 16 of those cameras and saying, Oh wait, Quinn's doing something crazy. I'm going to go see what shoot in on Quinn. Yeah. I mean, we, 
you have a basic idea of where things are going to look the best depending on where it happens on the court. So that dictates a lot of it. Um, but really, that's more for replay. The producer's chair now, he's got to know which angle, you know, the alley-oop, you know, it depends, you know, the low camera coming right at it's good. You, we have a robotic camera on top of the basket. I haven't even mentioned those yet. Um, so you don't want to show like all the same angle. You want to mix it up. You know, you show the low camera and then maybe you show like the back slash angle and then maybe you show the robot camera. You know, it depends, depends on where the play happens and what it is. When you watch a game, I'm watch, I always am listening to the announcer. Kevin Harlan's my guy. Every time I call a radio game, I like get the tape and go listen to it. I've told that story. Do you have producers and directors that you watch specifically to see how they do things to learn? Um, yeah, it. You know, there's teams and broadcasts. You 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 kind of watch everybody. Um, but there's teams in broadcast that kind of stand out and you're like, they do a really nice job. Like the Celtics tonight, they do, they have way too many sponsors, but they do a really nice job. Um, you know, the Knicks and Nets are always really good. There's, there's a lot of teams, there's a lot of teams that do it well. I can't really think of any that do it poorly, but yeah, you pick up little things from watching other people's like replay sequences and you're like, Oh, I never would have thought of that, but that looked really good. And hopefully, hopefully we're improving all the time. That's kind of the goal. So to get ready for a game, Ron and I will sit on the plane and we will watch the opponent's last game. So we see what they're doing and we'll talk about things we're going to talk about in the broadcast. And then we go do our separate prep and then it kind of comes together. I, it's, I'm not sure it's the greatest system. It's probably more detailed than most radio teams. What, do you, what is your guys? So we from the time we finished in, where were we last? New York. Um, sums it up right there. So the times we finished in New York, give me kind of what your preparation process is to be ready for the game here in Boston. Well, as, as as I'm directing, there's not as much like research. When you're producing, you have to you're in charge of the font list, which is the graphics we build. You get the Stoke notes, which you mix in with that. Um, Stoke notes are the Scott Rogers who we talked yes. to earlier this week. <laughs> God bless him. Um, so there's less for a director. I get to do more paperwork. You know, things like approving time cards in Salt Lake. You know, glamorous stuff like that. Um, on these days that I'm directing, when I'm producing, though, you're you're up early and you gotta you know. I'm I'm on Stats Pass a lot. Um, Scott Rogers prefers Basketball Reference, but I like Stats Pass um, personally. I and prefer of, cleaning the glass. And of course, oh, I know you do. Don't don't get me started. <laughs> but, By the way, uh, if you're wondering, there is like a whole internal. Uh, I don't even kind of feel like the debate's over. We just kind of have all staked our spot in the ground and like moved past it. But there is this whole debate of what types of analytics and how forward thinking we should be with our analytics. The jazz TV crew is, I would say actually one of the most forward thinking in the um, league, which at times Jeremy might roll his eyes over. Um, And then I think they should be further, you know, well, it's one of those, that's kind of like the question of our business right now is how deep do you go on this and how do you make it digestible? Cause you know, some people like I'm, for example, I'm not a big rebound percentage guy, hate rebound percentage. I prefer rebound differential, honestly. But, you know, there's pluses and minuses to all of them, of course. There's so many minuses to that. <laughs> so many minuses. How can, like... There's several. It just means you missed more shots and they got more rebounds. Perfect. <laughs> all right, so tell... Um, I think we've kind of covered the job the best we can in nine minutes. Tell us your route. Like, how did you end up in this job? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, it started when a young man and a young woman... You don't want to go back that far? No, no. Okay, okay. sorry. Thanks. <laughs> So, um, he's our dry humor guy. Oh God. I love it. Um, in the business, I suppose, uh, I went to Weber state, um, 
did TV up there. I mean, I, I went to school thinking I was going to work in newspapers because my parents owned a newspaper. And then somewhere along the line, someone says, oh, you, you won't make any money. Go, come do radio. So I did sports radio for a while. And someone's like, oh, TV makes even more money. So I did that. It didn't really matter. I just wanted to be around sports. But uh, eventually I got a job in TV at Channel 4 in Salt Lake. Uh, I was a studio cameraman. Um, I also interned there before that. So eventually they had a sports producer leave for whatever reason. And I had, I'd keep going in just like I was an intern between, you know, if you're running a studio camera at five and 10, there's like three hours where you just kind of sit around. So I would just go and help the sports team. So when they had an opening, they hired me. Um, I was a producer there. I eventually was a photographer and editor, reporter, anchor at times. Um, but uh, yeah, I was there for eight years, uh, got laid off, which happens to everyone in this business eventually is what yeah, I've, yes, is what I've been true. told. But, and it uh, rocks you forever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a challenge for sure. But uh, then I got a job with uh, KJazz. Um, I was producing the pregame show. And I did that for a couple of years, and then uh, when uh, Joe Krieger, who we all know, when he when he left the business, uh, well, he didn't leave the business because we still see him all the time. But when he left the team to go move to Denver, uh, they they thought of me. So this is my fifth year on the road with you, and it's great. I you know you're away from home a lot, which is a downer, you know, especially with kids. But uh, you know the road the road certainly has its pluses as well. The best part of the job is. Um, oh man, I like how every game is different. I'm stealing, I'm ripping off a Travis line here, of course, my boss, but, uh, every game is different. Like every situation is different. And just the fact that, you know, some jobs can get to feel so robotic where every day you're doing the same thing and it gets old and our job, uh, that's not it. It's a little fear every night. I always like to say. There's just a chance it could go disastrously wrong. Yes. It keeps you on your toes. All right, we'll talk about the real. What is the real? The real is actually a great way for me to learn more about what's going on in the NBA every night with Jeremy. It continues as it's a get to know the guys on the road and the people on the road on the Locked On Jazz as we continue. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. The Locked On Podcast Network is home to the number one daily NBA podcast, Locked On NBA. 
no team that relies on any single player like the Rockets rely on Harden or have historically relied on Harden has ever had any kind of realistic title aspirations. They might already have a window closed on them before it's even actually opened in Orlando. It's just not realistic for a team to rely on a single player there and be able to win a championship. When you want the biggest stories and the best NBA talk before it's old news, listen to the Locked On NBA podcast every day, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it's more with Jeremy Brunner, a little basketball talk. All right, so you, at the end of every night, make the reel, and it has become, at different times, somewhat interesting. Um, I, I miss, I would say this, I miss it when you do it at home and I don't have you around. So we'll be on the plane after the game, and every now and then, Jeremy will turn around to me and say, hey, isn't so-and-so supposed to be thought of as a pretty good defensive player? And I'll be like, yeah. He'll be like, well, he's sure being toasted in every single highlight. So explain the reel and how it gives some insight into the game. So we save every play from the game, basically, every, every scoring bucket um, and some defensive as well. And what I do on the plane is I go through and mark the best, the best jazz plays. Um, so when I take it back to Salt Lake, they can easily find the best plays. And, yeah, it's, it's been kind of a fun thing over the years where you see, you, you see guys like uh, Favors and Rudy who are really good at the team plays like where they box out their guy and some one of their teammates gets a rebound where it will never show up in the box score but that but that's important and uh it will show up in the box one plus minus oh of course i love plus minus that's that's one of my things don't get too far though no box plus minus no defensive box plus minus Forget all that. As I said, this is an ongoing little battle that I guess we had put aside oh. that just spurred its ugly head again today. I know. Sorry. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun sometimes to see. Like I said, the thing I notice a lot is how come this guy's getting scored on? Like, how come they're going at this player? I think earlier in this year it was uh, Robert Covington at Minnesota, a game, and I'm like, I thought he was supposed to be a good defender. They sure are going at him a lot and, uh, you know, and scoring because <laughs> you know I'm marking the scoring plays so you know it's not a whole picture but it sometimes you see things in there that that you wouldn't have noticed and you're like that is uh you even you had one recently where you turned to me and you said hey Mike Conley was great tonight do you remember that one yes yes so and it's oh geez uh road, recent road game yeah at Houston exactly yeah um you know little things like the hockey assist you know you're right plus minus will show it but you're not going to see it you're not going to see it in many other places that he made the right pass, which led someone to an easy layup. He didn't get the assist, but he was why the play happened. Like, he broke down his man. Everyone had to shift on him, and then it led to a wide-open three for somebody. So, yeah. Last year when we played Toronto, it felt as though they were one better than everyone else, and then I got lured into Milwaukee's numbers. Um, but they were faster than everyone else. Um did you can you feel that when you're directing a broadcast if someone's faster than everyone else? Absolutely, because that's the quandary of a uh, directing is the hero shot. Donovan Mitchell shoots a three and scores it. You want to show him his face, but some teams you do, and the ball is already at the hoop the other way. So you learn real quick, like you know from reputation and from doing games, the teams that are fast, like the Warriors last couple of years have yes. been blisteringly fast, of course. Um, but yeah, it's. You learn, you learn, you learn the teams you don't get to use a hero shot much against, and uh, you have to adjust for that. Who obviously. do you think the best team we've seen so far this year is? The best, um, I guess, the Bucks. I don't I mean, know. I mean, we, we were on Bucks I mean, were underwhelming against yeah. us, right? We beat them, and then we played without yeah, Rudy. Yeah, we, we were two close ones. Um, I didn't, I'd still say the Bucks. Um, Toronto obviously was really impressive. 
and the Lakers did torch us. You know, they beat us pretty good twice. So I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I'm one game at a time, man. I'm just all about those Celtics right now. <laughs> Listen, do you just do you find how do you like as a fan of the game? You know, you're not sitting back. You you have the uh, you're in the row in front of Stoke and Harpering who are breaking down every single aspect of every game. Like they sit back there together and they go through the box score. Like ha- and they how are you? Like what is your fan level? Like Stoke goes full fan mode right by the time he hits the plane. Um, what's where's your like? How in your job do you think you're seeing the game differently and maybe picking up on things that other people? A window washer just showed up right at us. I thought it was a bird. Um, yeah, I mean, our, I'm a fan. I'm a jazz fan. I moved uh, to Utah in 1992 from Wisconsin. So, you know, I was like a bandwagon Chicago Bulls fan, which is embarrassing now, of course. But just, you know, jazz were on TV every night. So I became a fan. And uh, me and my grandmother used to watch, my late grandmother used to watch them. And she loved John Stockton like all old ladies did. And, uh, yeah, so I, I've been a fan forever. And, you know, this business, you have to separate a little. Um, you can't rah-rah too much. But uh, I definitely am in a much better mood when the Jazz win. Although I'm not, I'm not Joe Krieger levels of uh, it doesn't ruin. If the Packers lose, it doesn't ruin my week like Joe. You know Joe. Um, but, uh, you know, with it's us, it's different. It's a personal different. insult to Joe if the Packers lose. Yes. Like, it's very, like, they yes. offended him. Okay. Yes. Um, it's definitely a better plane ride when we win. That's uh, that's for sure. It's different to have to walk by him, walk by the guys in our walk of shame to the back of the plane, and uh, it's always interesting. Like when we add a new person and they don't know that, like they don't know the different way. Like you have to like early on every new person, you have to kind of walk over to them and be like, "Hey, we lost tonight. Shut up!" Like, <laughs> like, it's like there's like definitely that element of the new person. All right, uh, there's one thing I feel like I've lost. Uh, the, I want to go back to the first kind of conversation before we wrap this up. Can you explain, I've always said this, that and if I'd known about what the inside of a TV truck was, I think I probably would have ended up there instead of doing what I do. I love what I do, but I think, you know, I'm probably, my brain's jacked up enough that I can handle 23 screens at one time and figure out what it was and love it. Explain to me, we're in the second quarter, give me kind of a visual of what the TV truck is and what's going on. Well, like you said, there's 20 cameras all shooting something. You get to pick which ones you want. There's a bug guy back here with the little score that's in there. You got Stoke yelling at you, selling graphics that are sometimes terrible, let's be honest. You got uh, Travis over here who's setting up a replay. Um, you got the TD hitting the buttons. And TD is technical director. Yes, thank you. And then you have, you know, there's the audio guy around the corner who's uh, making sure all the mics sound good and are on the air. Um, you have the tape guys, like tonight we'll have three, t- three replay guys, um, each recording four cameras each uh so yeah it's uh how many voices are speaking at one time oh if i listen to everybody um 15 to 20 voices all at one time well luckily like like stoke will tell you 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 kind of train your brain that's that's one of the hardest things that i had to get over coming from uh tv news was how many people you're listening to at once and you only have to hear one like there's one person who matters right now the rest you say hang on a second you know if it gets that bad you say hang on i'm listening i'm listening to the stage manager hang on a second um but you learn to you learn to listen to a lot of different people at once and it's uh that's i'd say that really that's the hardest part even harder than like selecting cameras is 
training your brain to know who to listen to, <laughs> to know what matters. Because ultimately, you know, the producer is the most important and the director is the most important as far as what's going on the screen. So, you know, I have to listen to Travis the most because he's setting up a replay. He's telling me to go to a replay and I'm cutting around over here and goofing off. So, yeah, it's uh, that's the hardest thing, I think, is training your brain what to listen to. All right, let's hope the real has Gordon Hayward getting toasted all night tonight. That'll just make people happy. He's not, he, he's not even playing. Oh. Seems doubtful. Oh. oh, well, there goes that idea. All right, that is Locked on Jazz, the second installment of People on the Road. I don't know how far we're going with this. We just started creating it. It's just TV Do, people. Does right anyone now. get to ask you questions? No. Oh, that's terrible. This is Because I was going to ask. All right. So, the show is over. So, the... No, no. Oh, I, need, I needed to ask you. Uh-oh. He's directing. You get asked all the time about like your favorite restaurants on the road. Yes. Give me a top three budget because you know I'm cheap. I don't go to the David Locke right. restaurants because I can't afford it. That's fair. Give me a, no, give me a top no, three. Nor can David Locke, <laughs> by the way. Well. <laughs> top three restaurants I should go to because I can the road afford it. That are affordable. I mean, Gus's is an easy one. No, uh, there's a, I'd have to look them up because I can't remember names because that's how not how my brain works. There's a sandwich shop in... Um, New York, that's absolutely amazing. Um, it starts with an A. I'd have to just look it up on Arby's? my Arby's? No, it's not Arby's. Okay. Um, but I can't do this off the top of my head. Embarrassing. I would go to the Daily Catch on the North End, for um, which is just kind of an awesome hole in the wall, my favorite place here in Boston today if I was having lunch. Um, I'd have to think. Um, I'll tease it. That's a future episode. That's a future episode. Yeah. All right. Budget spots on the road. Nowhere in Oklahoma City. I know that. All right. That is Locked on Jazz. Thanks for tuning in. It's a Friday. That means Anthony and Adam did Locked on NBA today. So tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of podcast, Locked on NBA. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.